This program is brought to you by P1 Australia Racing Components, the designer of the oil heat mats for dry sump tank applications. Find out more about the truths on engine oil heating at p1australia.com. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. We've paused a fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them. Thunder Media. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. And you're listening to Inside Supercars. From the racetracks across Australia, and here's Inside Supercars. Bill Gibson is the man behind Gibson Freight, and he talks to us about why supercars need 24 cars to get to Singapore, New Zealand and beyond. It's just uh, the, the bigger aircraft, the, the Dash 8, uh, will hold more cars than a 400. Uh, so, uh, by and large, yes, it, 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 if we're stuck with 400s, well, we're stuck with 24 cars on one aeroplane. Bill Gibson explains how Singapore could work and what about getting back to New Zealand on this episode of Inside Supercars. And it starts now. Welcome to Inside Supercars, Tony Whitlock and Craig Ravel, and we're talking here with Bill Gibson, the master of the freight business, talking to Bill about the chances and the possibilities of uh, what would be involved in taking 24 supercars to a possible Singapore or another Grand Prix site somewhere in the world. Well, Singapore would uh, require an interface with Formula One, uh, which logistically would be doable, whether commercially it's something that the... uh, relevant parties would be able to come to an agreement on but certainly logistically it would be doable uh, there'd be a hell of a lot of aircraft coming to Singapore for example to bring in Formula One and take them out again if uh, they could be extended uh, down to Australia that would be a, a dead sector but not a very long one and bring the cars back uh, and pretty much the reverse after the event but as I say it would need to be uh, uh, commercially viable to all the parties involved FOM uh, the Singapore promoter uh, the promoters uh, well not the promoters here but uh, the uh, owner of uh, supercars at the time and uh, yeah it's doable but they've all got to get together and it's all got to be financially viable how big is the fleet that now flies in Formula One? And you're taking them many places in the world nowadays. It's uh, it's a bit of a variable. Uh, these days, the old 747 for Formula One is, is the preferred option, and the 747-8, which is the last of the 747s. Uh, so some bit of a mixture of, of 777s converted to freighters, but uh, mostly 747-8s, few 777s uh, with Formula Two and Formula Three. It's 10 airplanes. Uh, more or less. 
Okay. And, and currently, um, how many times do you put the F2 and F3 fleet on, on board planes? Well, it, to come to Australia, it's all the time. Uh, that's the only way to maintain uh, the Formula One schedule. Uh, they just sea freight is just not an option. Uh, having said that, there are almost 140 foot containers uh, that also accompany Formula One, but that's the sort of thing like pit bay fit outs, which you know, hold duplicate uh, fit outs, and we might send uh, the fit out from here by sea freight to Montreal or something like that. Now, you mentioned that you'd have to, because of the, the way the fleet has compressed in Australia over COVID, you would have to be using the planes, taking the Formula One, dropping them off, have some come to Australia, pick up the Australian uh, cars and equipment and then go back. You wouldn't have to, but that would be the most logical option from both a, a time and cost uh, uh, consideration. Uh, it would definitely need to be a factor discussed with Formula One when uh, we're discussing all the other factors that needed to be discussed, uh, and they would certainly get priority, uh, no doubt about that. But that could happen. I mean, uh, if the V8's raced on uh, Saturday, for argument's sake, uh, then uh, the V8's could be in the air Sunday and the carrying aircraft could be back in uh, Singapore on Sunday in time to take the uh, Formula One onto the next uh, destination. With the talk, and you must always love when you hear the, the pit lane talk about well, we've got to drop the field down to 24 cars to be able to do it. Is that is that a reality or is that just scuttlebutt? Uh, no, it's. I'm not sure about the scuttlebutt side of it. It's just uh, the the bigger aircraft, the, the Dash 8, uh, will hold more cars than a 400. Uh, so, uh, by and large, yes, it... it, it if we're stuck with 400s, well, we're stuck with 24 cars on one aeroplane. And is that 24 cars plus course cars? Because they do tend to take course cars with them, don't they? Uh, no, it's just 24 cars and with a hell of an offload. Uh, move, moving the cars wouldn't be an issue, moving 24 cars. Moving the offload is an issue, but not one that's not overcomable. Um, going to say Singapore and choosing that one in particular because that's the one that Barclay Nettlefold has talked about um, and the one that's obviously a hot topic. Um, from what I understand, the paddock restriction is pretty tight. There's not a lot of room there in Singapore for support categories. Well, Formula One would always have us cast off to the favelas. Uh, that's what they did in Abu Dhabi. They said, you guys are over in the favelas and uh, have a nice day. Uh, it would be the same in Singapore. Um, and do you consider that there'd be other tracks that, that uh, part of the Formula One circus that where uh, could easily Australian supercars could travel to as well? Well, uh, if you go back in history, uh, Bahrain and uh, Martin Whitaker and uh, uh, plenty of money, uh, just uh, wanting to uh, have another have another race. Uh, so that that could be revisited, and, and the uh, they, 
in fact, it's interesting you raise them because um, in some ways, you know, in recent times, of course, there's golf and cricket and all sorts of other sports have all been taken up by those the SAE um, countries um, and something that maybe that could be revisited where supercars could be going there again. Well, the other thing that gives that some legs is uh, they all have their own airlines. Uh, so if they wanted to throw away some revenue and uh, come to Australia uh, and pick up uh, the uh, supercars and bring them back for the uh, good of the exposure to the country or whatever, they have the aircraft to do it. The Probably the pressing issue that you'll be dealing with is getting cars back to New Zealand. How have you looked at the logistics? Because you had a a well-oiled machine for the Trans-Tasman flight, but that's going to have to change with the new car. Yes, uh, the double stack car racks that uh, were, were actually designed by Formula One, I must confess, have uh, 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 been uh, well served uh, supercars and uh, they do need modification, but it's only a bit of refabrication. Probably could be done by any of the teams, but probably wouldn't want to do it. But uh, just uh, they were done by O'Brien Aluminium because Ron O'Brien was a big supporter of motor racing and having got the uh, blueprints from Formula One um, gave them to Ron O'Brien and he actually built them. Uh, so that was a good bit of supporting local motorsport and local industry and all the rest of it. Uh, so, um, yeah, they've just got to be modified and really only a minor modification. And then the shipping containers, we actually see them using it at events like uh, Newcastle where they can't get the big trucks in. They're working out of the shippers there. So it, it's, it's a well a well-experienced uh, procedure then. Yeah, all, all those containers, uh, they, they are non-restrictive as far as the cars go, but they are restrictive as far as 747s. Their dimensions are geared to 747s. So uh, that's um, pretty difficult to change uh, that, uh, but could be done, uh, but it would be an entirely different setup. Well, thank you very much, Bill Gibson, for giving us an insight into the freight business behind motor, motor cars and motor racing. Um, it's always interesting to talk to you and uh, look forward to catching up with you again sometime soon. Uh, my pleasure. You know, it's been a long time and it's been a good time getting the V8s overseas and I'd love to do it more often than we uh, currently do. Indeed. Thank you. Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next time for more or lock in the podcast on your iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars. The views expressed on Inside Supercars, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect the views of the network, Thunder Media or Sport Radio. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. You love supercars and keeping up to speed sometimes means hitting the rev limiter? Welcome to the Gates Rev Limiter Podcast. After each round, we unpack what happened. Join Andrew Clark. Paused the fraction and got it right, and they probably still would have won the race. I mean, and yours truly, Neville Wilkinson. These are the heady days when Ford was spending mega bucks for all the action, all the controversy, and sometimes a little emotion. The Gates Rev Limited Supercars Podcast. Subscribe now on Apple, Spotify, or where you listen to them.